It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. And we are still trying to reach our next goal of 250 uh, YouTube subscribers. So please, so please hit subscribe if you haven't already and help us get there. If you leave us a comment, we always respond. So let us know what you think. You. Don't forget, you can listen to the audio version of this pod on Apple and Spotify. If you drop us a review, it really helps us out. Also, we have a completely free Substack that you can sign up. The link will be in the description below, uh, as well as our Twitter page. And you can get any kind of news or clips or stats that we share over there. So, yeah, get into it, guys. Anyway, let's get straight into the show. Ender, and what was your rugby moment of the week? I was going to say Mac Hansen, you know, downing a pint, um, but that was probably way too basic. But what I did like, actually, when I when I did watch the Connacht game back. um, so for, for those of you who haven't seen it anyway, so Mac Hansen, obviously, um, I think he actually picked up a knock, but he was basically at Connacht's home game, the first their first home URC game of the season. Uh, he was spotted on camera. He noticed he was on camera. So, of course, he downed his pint that he was enjoying. Um, but then there was also another clip that went back to him a while later and you could see him um, talking to some of the uh, young fans in the stadium and also signing balls. So just thought that was a nice moment. Um, it shows he still is a bit of a character and he actually um it was good to see him putting in the time um for the kids who were at the game. What about you, Hugh? Yeah, uh mine was mine's my first moment of the week that was my moment for a bad reason. And it's when Owen Farrell kicks that long range drop goal in the second half against the Springboks, and I was like, Oh god, it's happening, isn't it? This is they're gonna win this. And I was like, No, and of course I was watching it on the ITV coverage and they were losing their minds at Another England drop goal in a World Cup and how amazing that was. And the box have been so, made so many errors up until that point. And then he kicks it to go nine points ahead. And I'm like, I can't, I can't believe this is happening to me. And my life flashed before my eyes and I just could see the week ahead of me of the whole England hype and things. And I just couldn't, couldn't bear it. But then it didn't happen. So it was all happy in the end. But I, the, what I will remember from that weekend of semi-finals for years to come is the feeling that I felt when that job goal went over the feeling of despair I don't think you're an English fan um no I'm yeah. not I'm open with my biases on this podcast I'm open with what my biases are my biases are not England give the people what they want so give your opinion <laughs> we like it um that's a good moment of the week. So moving on then to uh, the best league is back. The URC was back this weekend. Had some cracking games. Do you want to take us through how the how the Welsh side's gone on? Not particularly. So this, in the 20 years, it, this weekend just gone marks 20 years of regional rugby. And it is the first time that all four regions have lost on the opening day of the league. Not great. So Not great. in order from bad to worst... Um, I guess Cardiff was least bad. Cardiff was um, playing at home to Benetton. Benetton, obviously, uh, everyone's excited about the season. They made a lot of cool signings. They've capitalised on some of the English clubs going under and signed some of those players, like Jacob Umanga now plays for them, which begs the question, are there any English 10s left in England? I can't name any. 
because um, Joe Simmons from Exeter is now playing for Provence in the Pro D2, I believe. No, 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 sorry. He's playing for Poe in the top 14. I'll check later. There. He's playing in France. Anyway, so, yeah, so Cardiff were winning the game in the first half. I think they were 19 points to three up, uh, close to half time, if not at half time. And they went on to lose the game uh, 23-22, which you, you could see, like, the Cardiff team sheet, for anyone who's not been following the Cardiff story, Cardiff really had significant financial troubles over the summer. And they at one point, they did not have enough players to form a squad with. They now have enough players to form a squad with, but only just. So there's a, there's players playing out of positions. There's academy kids in there. There's signings from other clubs. So again, English clubs that have gone bust have come over. And you, you when you saw the bench that they named, you were like, oh, okay, in the second half, they're going to struggle. And if you saw the bench from Benetton, it was their Italian internationals, some Argentinians as well in there. And... They brought them on in the second half and it, and it made the difference. So, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, all things considered, losing at home to Benetton for Cardiff isn't so bad when you appreciate where you expect Cardiff to be this season. But then you've got the Dragons, who were also playing at home, were also significantly up. I think they were 17 points to three up at halftime in their game or close to halftime in their game against Edinburgh. Edinburgh, who didn't, I believe, have many of their Scottish internationals back. Ben Healy was back. Um, that's one for the Munster fans um, and again they let it slip just poor decision making poor moments on the pitch it's funny you know because in pre-season Dragons got a lot of stick because in the pre-season warm-up game against the Ospreys they kicked for goal to win the game and of course it was in pre-season so everyone was like what are you doing and all the Dragons fans were like well we're, we're practicing winning games because we don't win games very often so we're practicing taking the three this is what we're going to do in games and we're going to get some results on the board. And then they came to play against Edinburgh and they needed to secure the result and they kicked the corner and they lost the lineup. So, yeah, it was very Dragons-y. Every Dragons fan and everyone who's ever watched the Dragons has seen that game a thousand times. Losing a game they should have won and they were in the lead for. So that was the second least bad. Um, the Ospreys game, I'll save the Ospreys game because you're going to talk about that a bit as well because it's obviously Connacht, which is your team. Which means I get to talk about the Scarlets. Scarlets suffered their record defeat in the URC away at the Bulls. Now, the Bulls, I think, are going to be very, very good this season. They've been very active in the transfer uh, market and they've played very good rugby anyway. And I think they did they get to the final in the first year. Was it them against the Stormers? Yeah, it was them versus the Stormers. Yeah, yeah Jake White, um, they got an excellent coach. Yeah, and they are they are an excellent team, but the Scarlets came out and it was like we we were unprepared. We were unprepared for the levels of the Bulls were going to be at, and it was so disappointing. I spoke to our friend Vuyo. I messaged him and said, obviously that this game is at um, altitude, and I said, what what kind of impact does that have? And I wanted to know a bit more about the science of it. And how difficult it is. And he said that he obviously has played in South Africa a lot, coached in South Africa. And he never played for the Bulls, but he's played against the Bulls a bunch of times. And he said, never got used to it. A South African playing in South Africa never got used to playing at altitude, never managed to get a handle on 
the difference in the air that you get up there. So that's a mitigation, I suppose, but it's not an excuse for taking 60. It's not an excuse for taking 60. I'd, I've got to look up, because I'm doing the Scarlet's pod tomorrow, I've got to look up how often we've taken 50-plus points in the last year, because it feels like every other week. I'm sure it's only five or six times, but even five or six times is too many. And like I say, the Scarlet's had been in training for 13 weeks because this pre-season has been so long because of the delay for the World Cup. And how can you train for 13 weeks and then come out and not not anticipate what kind of level you're supposed to be performing at? Because the Bulls looked like it was boys against men. And their, their speed, their intensity, their reaction time was just so far ahead of ours. And the thing that makes it extra difficult is Scarlet's had a good team out. Like We lost maybe five or six players to Wales. But those five or six players wouldn't have changed anything, I don't think. And maybe we made it would have made things a little bit better. Arguably, the player that we missed most was um, Ver Fafita. And he's not Welsh, he's Tongan. <laughs> yeah, it was just disappointing. And there's no excuses. That That's the thing for me. You know, there's, uh, I think a few people are kind of shrugging their shoulders at this because there's a perception in Welsh rugby at the moment that all of the regions are going to lose all of the time this year because of all of the but issues in the background with the WRU, et cetera. And I wasn't necessarily expecting the Scarlets to go to the Stormers and win, but I wasn't expecting that. Like, the Stormers had the bonus point wrapped up after 24 minutes. It's just not good enough. Just not good enough. And we've got the Stormers next week. It's just about putting pride back in the jersey now for us because, it, yeah, it's not it's not acceptable to, to, to go in and put in that level of performance. And like I say, a record defeat. And I'm... If you can't go harsh on a team after they had a record defeat, when can you go harsh on them? So, yeah, I ain't happy as a Welsh rugby fan. But let's go on to the next game then, mate. So, Ospreys versus Connacht. And so, just quickly from an Ospreys point of view, uh, again, I thought the Ospreys team on paper was good enough to at least not be significantly down 27 points or whatever it was down after 30 minutes. Uh, a lot of Ospreys fans on Twitter, I, I'm surprised, have been quite positive about the performance because they came away with the try bonus. But again, you know, I always say about the Ospreys, their team is good. Their team sheet is good. The players they have access to are good. And they shouldn't, in my opinion, be seeing uh, a late try bonus point over at Connacht as a positive result. And if you look at the next fixtures the Ospreys have got, they've got five very winnable fixtures coming up next. So this is a big missed opportunity to get their season off to a positive start. But I don't know, mate. Am I being disrespectful to Connacht there? Should I be? Should the Ospreys be seeing that one point as a good return? I think after looking at the first half, um, like Connacht at one stage were twenty-seven up, and they like Connacht played really well. The set piece was really strong. Um, interestingly as well, I'm sure you know it's like JJ Hanrahan who returned. To, I know he was playing for the Dragons last season. Uh, he got the nod ahead of Jack Carty, who was basically, you know, he's captain last year. And I think he's pretty sure he's going to be captain going forward this year as well. So that was a massive mm-hmm. call. And he played pretty well. Like, he's very good off the, he was very good off the tee. Um, so, like, to be honest, yeah, Connick put in a really strong first half performance. They dominated. They were really up really fast in defence. Kalon Blade at scrum half. I think he, he scored at least three tries. Like, he runs such good support lines. He's always there on the shoulder. He had a really good game. Um, and the Ospreys just weren't at the races. They were still in the change rooms. Um, 
but overall, I think it was like that. That's why I really think that it was a good result um, for the Ostriches. Obviously, they got a bollock in a half time and they came out and they put in a performance. They and they left with a pretty respectable score because that wasn't a bad um, Connacht team uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and just touching on Connacht, like with young Cal Ford playing um, at 12, uh, he had such a good game. He, he had a really strong season last year as well. Tom Farrell, who earned his 100 cap for Connacht. And played really well as well. And he was playing the 13 channel. And let's not forget that Bundy's still to come back. We still have Matt Hansen to come back. Finley Bealham. Uh, special shout out as well to Jack Anger, uh, former Leinster player, moved down to Connacht. He had a really, really strong game, putting some thumping hits. And as I said, like the scrum was really strong. They didn't win every every single scrum, but they want to think it was potentially six or eight. So that was really good to see. Um, I don't know if you noticed as well, Connacht made a huge signing before this season as well. Santiago Cordero, the Argentinian. And was signed, but unfortunately picked up a nasty knee injury um, in preseason. So he's going to be out for quite a while, which is unfortunate. Um, I think I did see about that, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was unfortunate. Um, but look, it's a really good start to the season for Connacht. Uh, they played really well. They they flung the ball around and they were really good in defence. Um, nine out was strong. Now, things obviously didn't go their way in the second half and they probably fell asleep a bit and let the Ospreys back into it. But I think it's, it was a really strong start to the season. Um, and also a special shout out to their new signing, Joe Joyce, who came over from Bristol Bears. Uh, he won man of the match. He was a re- he was yeah. excellent. He led the line out. Um, I've heard really good things about him. Um, so I think that was a really good good positive as well. So really good start for Connacht. And yeah, if I if I were an Ospreys fan, I wouldn't be yeah Ospreys fan. I wouldn't be too too underwhelmed. Like they they came back and they put in a, a strong performance. Uh, but yeah, good start to the season for Connacht. And then. You know, probably moving on to the other games then uh, for the Irish teams. Munster, great start um, against the Sharks. They won at home and and Holmond. Uh, one of the standouts from this game for me was Joey Carberry, who started at 10. We all know that he was dropped essentially at the end of last season, but he put in a really good performance. That was really good to see. And there was also a debut for their chief signing, um, centre Alex Nacavell. Uh, Nacavell, I think that's how you pronounce it. Apologies, Kalon, if you're listening. Um, so, yeah, a great start to the season for Munster. Um, I really think they're going to build this year. and uh, They seem to have a really strong squad. Um, Sharks as well had a pretty good team out. Um, like we all know how many Springboks they have when they come back. I think they're going to be a different force. They've, they've had a change at the top. Um, yeah, but they're still a pretty good Sharks team. When they have their Springboks back, they seem to kind of do worse than when they have their kind of normal team out sometimes. I don't know whether that's a cohesion thing, but I don't. Uh, for whatever yeah, reason, the, the the Sharks B team is still pretty damn good. Yeah. Um. So I think that they'll be good this season. Um. Which had a great start for Munster. Uh, Leinster not so good. Uh. But let's be honest, it wasn't there. Like it looked like the third team. Uh, it wasn't. But yeah, they 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 rested a lot of people. Um. A lot of players. Um. But it was close. Um. For most of the game until kind of Glasgow got away with it in the last twenty minutes. But Leinster were there thereabouts. Um. For certainly the first half, anyway, uh, and let's not forget as well, um, Glasgow were unbeaten in the regular season last uh, season at home, so this is this shouldn't be too surprising, especially if it wasn't Leinster's um, first team. And I also think just overall for the URC, this was a good result. Like yeah, I agree. it'd be so typical, especially we know there are a lot of URC fans or haters out there, I should say, and they they'd only love to have seen a Leinster hockey score there against uh, against Glasgow. So I think that was good for the. Uh, good for the league overall. And let's not forget as well, Leinster going through a lot of change. Like Sexton's retired. 
Lancaster's gone through Racing 92. Nina Barra's coming in. You know, how long is it going to take him to implement his his changes and his philosophy and everything? So uh, I think Leinster will be a really interesting case this year. And then finally, uh, Ulster, I don't know if you caught this game. It was a cracking game. They just about beat uh, so, Zebra. So result. Yeah, in Parma. Uh, Zebra were really good for that game. Um, I think there were something like three or four tries in the first 20 minutes. It was an excellent game. Um. But again, it probably would have been like I, I was listening to a pod earlier last week and like people were just seemed so dismissive of this game. But uh, you you would really question if these people are actually watching URC games year in year or week in, week out, because this game was excellent and it was tight. Um, and yeah. if you're paying attention to the league, you would have known that Severin have recruited pretty well over the summer and they, they have a pretty decent squad this year. So I think they'll do OK. Um, so, yeah, that, that rounds up the results for, for the Irish teams. Yeah, but, uh, it's an, it's strong... an interesting, interesting subplot to the Irish um, uh, provinces this season, isn't it? Because you've got uh, Carberry going well at, at Munster, and you've also got Jack Crowley there. Then you've got uh, was Prendergast playing for Leinster? Um, he came on, yeah, he did. He did get game time. And then you obviously you've got the Burns there, and then whoever you might have at, at Connacht, um, maybe JJ Henry isn't necessarily going to be pushing for an island spot, and that, and then um, obviously the guys at Ulster as well. So there's there's places in the Ireland team to be won with some of the retirements that you've got. So it's going to be fascinating keeping an eye on, particularly Carberry for me, and seeing if he can get back to where he was, because he was the heir apparent at one point to Sexton, and then obviously really struggled with injuries. So that's something yeah. I'm going to be keeping an eye on as, as a plot for this season. Yeah, and he's still a young player. He's got plenty more to give, so he can absolutely work his way back into form. Um, so I think that that's that's good to see, and it'd be remiss of us as well not to mention Jake Flannery as well up in Ulster, who is a former Ulster player. And um, so hopefully he gets more game time this season as well, and he can really push on. Um, but that's it probably from the Irish games uh, in the URC. Um, any other standout games for you? I know we're not going to go through all games; we have a bit of time. But any other game uh, in particular stand out for you? Uh, yeah, I mean we've covered most of them because um, between the Irish and the Welsh, we mostly played uh, uh, other people. But the one game that I do want to just um, give a nod to is Lions versus Stormers. So this was play, played uh, at the Lions place and it finished Lions 33, Stormers 35. So a, a hell of a, an attacking game on show. Uh, a few Springboks who didn't go to the World Cup on show. So um, uh, Yanchis was playing for the Stormers, I believe. Uh, Bloom and Cheese as well, who I'd, maybe he's not a Springbok, but might be familiar to Scarlet's fans, um, formerly uh, fullback for us. Uh, and yeah, so Lions lost the game by two points. Obviously, Stormers, uh, for the last couple of seasons, the strongest South African team in the URC, uh, and Lions the least strong. But the Lions actually outscored the Stormers try-wise. It was five tries to four. Mm. It's just the Stormers kicked a couple more penalties uh, than the Lions and came out on top. But yeah, great, great advert for the league. Hopefully, you know, the Lions have struggled financially and also struggled to attract a crowd. So hopefully things like this and efforts like this uh, really boosts their season. Yeah. And then let's move on. I guess we can't, like, this is probably the biggest news story, especially of today and probably of this week, apart from the, the massive game we have going up in the weekend. But yeah, do you want to take us through the uh, the announcements from World Rugby today? I think we've got quite a bit to get through here, but I saw you were you were very active on Twitter. No surprise yeah. there. So let, let's, let's talk. So we've got a World League confirmed. We've got a new Pacific Nations Cup and we've got a 2014 World Cup confirmed. So we've a lot to get through. But just even in terms of the World League, that this has been heavily criticised as, as far as I can see, especially in terms of 
her tier two friends who don't seem like they're going to get a chance now at the top table for until what 2029 2020 uh 2030 i should say talk us through what's going on okay Okay, so the World League first. So there's there's tons to get through. And um, for our audio listeners, I'm showing end of my notebook here, which is just just a, a, a mess of words and notes and things. So it has has been rumoured twelve teams, um, six nations teams, rugby championship teams, and then officially two teams to be named. However, it's a pretty open secret that it's going to be Japan and Fiji. There has literally not been anyone else. Um, suggested for it so it was passed uh, by a very narrow margin it needed 75 percent of the votes to uh, pass and i think it got one or two more votes than it actually needed so it was still a majority voted in people saying it's passed by a narrow margin but still the vast majority of votes were cast in favor of it obviously the way votes are distributed in world rugby is very uh, inequitable so countries like new zealand england france and things get more votes than a lot of other nations and loads of tier two nations don't get a vote at all um interestingly one country that got a vote and did vote in favor of it was georgia which surprises a lot of people because georgia aren't going to be we don't think part of it so they have seemed to have voted for something that uh works against them so i saw our friend francisco um, tweet about that and he was going to investigate that so I'll keep an eye out and I'll retweet whatever he discovers um, but yeah so there's there's a few things is it um, but below the headlines there's a few extra details of this that needs to be just pointed out so some people seem to be confused about how this is going to be played and some people seem to think that it's going to be a, a tournament that's held every now and again it's not so it's going to be every other year, so it's not going to be in Lions years or World Cup years. That's how it's working. And it's, like I said, including all of those teams are playing towards it. The Six Nations, my understanding is that the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship count towards it. And then you've got the summer international window, which would have been the summer tours that we're so used to. There'll be three games there that will count towards it. And then there will be three games in the autumn that will count towards it. So it's not that big of a change in the calendar. And then there will be a grand final to decide the, the full winner. So some people have seemed to think that oh, it will be six games played in the tournament format or something. It's not. That's not what it is. Um, the, there has been some other small rejigs to the calendar. So the Six Nations is going down from uh, seven weeks as it is now to six. So at the moment, it's got two fallow weeks. It's now going down to just having one. That, I think, is going to be a bigger change than people realise. We've seen from the World Cup, we've seen from the last couple of World Cups now, that having to play this many games back-to-back is a real struggle. We've seen Ireland struggle with it. We've seen maybe it's toll being taken on South Africa in the semi-final as well. And then we've seen England and New Zealand, who have had their big game first up and then subsequently quite easy games for the rest of their pools. Um, really feel that advantage when they get to the semi-finals. So with this five games in six weeks in the Six Nations, I would now expect to see teams, especially the likes of France, putting out a B team in one game or maybe even two games. So I can see France putting out a B team against, say, Wales and Italy. And for me, that's a shame because it's just impossible for players, especially in certain positions, to play 
five elite level test matches in six weeks. It just doesn't doesn't work. Um, and then the other thing that changed was um, there is the autumn test window, which was three weeks. So obviously, as you're aware, and Ireland only play three tests, but countries like Wales play four tests in the autumn. And one of those falls outside the test window and therefore we lose all of our foreign based players. It is now officially four weeks, but I think that's probably to accommodate the grand final. However, I wouldn't be surprised if all of the nations scheduled a fourth test because test matches are money. On that subject, um, what this World League currently means, assuming that Fiji and Japan are going to be added to the rugby championship and assuming that that will go to a six nations style format of playing each other once home or away rather than the current rugby championship format of playing each other twice, unless you're New Zealand and Australia who play each other three times. That would mean New Zealand and Australia losing between two and three test matches a year, which is obviously a big revenue loss. Mm. Now, the way that the Southern Hemisphere calendar works with Super Rugby, especially for New Zealand to pick only New Zealand-based players, between the start of August, essentially, and the end of November or even the first week of December, New Zealand have basically carte blanche to organise as many test matches as they want. They can play one every week if they want because there's no clashes and they have access to full access to all of their players. So I wouldn't be surprised to see New Zealand in particular still organising extra games outside this. Now, you would hope it would be against Tier 2s who aren't going to get to play them in the current format. Um, like uh, they, New Zealand love a game in the USA, for example, so they might do that. Uh, you can also see potentially uh, a game against Tonga or Samoa they like to do every now and again. But we've also seen plenty of times in the past that they'll just organise an extra test against a tier one. Like, uh, to give another example, Wales in the past when they couldn't get a, a fourth Southern Hemisphere team for an autumn test, they just booked Scotland. So we played Scotland in the autumn. You know, so there's there's no guarantee that they're going to play extra um, tier two teams. And just to clarify what's happening with tier two, um, the... The, some people seem to think that, you know, World Rugby made a big statement and Bill Bowman made a big statement in the press release for all of this, that uh, there is going to be more games for tier twos in the two years that aren't um, uh, World League years. Here's why I call bullshit on that. One of those years is uh, Lions year. So and in the Lions years, the home nations at least all new, normally tour tier two nations anyway. So I know Ireland have toured uh, USA and Canada quite a lot during Lions years. Uh, in the past, Wales have toured uh, Fiji and Samoa uh, and Tonga. Uh, Scotland, I know I've done that as well. And Scotland have toured um, South American teams as well. So I don't, I don't buy that that counts as extra games. I can see World Rugby are trying to um, sell it as that. Also bear in mind that New Zealand and South Africa the last two Lions tours played a warm-up game against the Tier 2 nation ahead of the Lions tour. South Africa played Georgia and New Zealand played, I want to say it was Samoa. Yeah, it was Samoa as a warm-up for the Lions. So that doesn't quite count. And then the other year is the World Cup year. So it will be the Six Nations, the World Cup warm-ups and then the World Cup. where And World Rugby, I think, are counting the World Cup as extra Tier 2 um, fixtures. Which brings us on to the new 2014 
World Cup. So you will see in the pop-out banner here, which I've learned how to do now, um, that the 2014 World Cup is something that we have debated in the past. Uh, we debated it with Francisco, and we weighed up the pros and cons. 2014 World Cup is now confirmed. So six pools of four, uh, a round of 16 is added. It's going to be the top two uh, from each pool plus the four best third place teams. So in four of the pools, only the bottom team will go home. So that that's how it's going to work. And the, the draw for the seedings of these pools is now going to be made in 2026. So that kind that's of allies a lot of the criticism that was leveled at this World Cup in terms of the draw. Uh, it's reduced from uh, seven weeks. Well, it's reduced from eight weekends to seven weekends now. Well, Ruby said that's because of player welfare, but that's a lie. It's actually because they've gotten rid of one of the pool games because there's now only four teams per pool. So that's that's kind of what's happening there. Like I said, it's we don't. One thing that we don't know is what the qualification format is for. Um, getting into this World Cup and how that is 24 teams will be decided. So just to give people context, I've just got the uh, world rankings up here. So currently, the teams, based on the world rankings, assuming the top 24 go, the teams that would be at the next World Cup that didn't go to this one would be USA, Spain, Canada, and Hong Kong. So... I don't know how much people have been following Hong Kong rugby. They don't play very many tests, and the tests that they do play, they don't tend to do very well. Well, they said well, well, well enough to get 24th in the world, but even compared to the likes of Chile and I don't know Kenya or someone like that, Hong Kong is not on people's radar. So that's the kind of level that we're looking at. For us, we've spoken about Brazil on this podcast a couple of times. I think Brazil might be a likely candidate to be one of the 24th teams. Uh, Netherlands is another country that people are getting excited about, so they're the ones to keep an eye out for. Any questions on any, any of that, mate, before I talk about the new Pacific Nations Cup? No, I think you've explained it really well. Um, can you see... I guess my question is, I think with a lot of these things, like the first thing I noticed on Twitter was that everybody was pissed off. Um, can you see World Rugby side? Can you see any kind of maybe positives that aren't kind of glaring to us, maybe that people are kind of just not seeing because they're so annoyed um or is this overall just not a good move do you think for, for rugby in general i think it's positive for fiji i think they're going to get a lot out of it and i think it's positive for japan i think they're going to get a lot out of it i think a lot there's a lot of hot air coming out mm. of world rugby i think it's all to do with protecting the interests i mean follow the money who yeah. owns this it's th this new world league thing isn't being owned by world rugby it's owned by sansar and the six nations and with, when we're talking about the extra two teams being Japan and Fiji, are they going to be part owners or are they going to join, join the rugby championship and therefore become part of Sanzar? You know, follow the money, guys. What's going to happen here? If it was all for the good of world rugby, it would be owned and run by world rugby. It's not. It's owned and run by the Six Nations and Sanzar, like I said. Promotion relegation is something that people have talked about. So promotion relegation isn't going to be uh, started until 2030 at the earliest. That is not. From 2030, there will be relegation. It's possibly maybe in 2030 we might start looking at relegation. And again, that isn't, might not be a straight up and down. It might be a playoff to get promoted and relegated. Mm -hmm. 
And if it's a two leg playoff home and away, those systems are rigged basically to support the team not going down. That's how that's why they come up with solutions like that. Um, and like I said, any bluster about more opportunities for tier two nations in the non uh, World League years, I don't buy. Bill Beaumont, in his quotes for all of this, is just is Bill Beaumont bullshit. It's the things he comes out with. Like one of the things he said was in making more relevant and accessible games for fans. What a load of nonsense. Like we can't talk about accessibility until we know the TV deal, obviously. And if it's all divided up, as we've talked about previously on this podcast, if it's all divided up between multiple broadcasters, it's not accessible. And if it's on not on free to air, it's not it's not accessible. So that doesn't do anything for fans. And then we talk about relevance. I don't see how a World League at this point is more relevant than the current fixtures that we've got. I don't see how a World League game is more relevant than, say, Ireland's historic test series victory in New Zealand. So that that's I kind of don't don't buy that. And it it smacks of a guy who's either in an echo chamber and has no idea what the rugby community is saying about this or he just doesn't care put it this way they've put this all of this out on a tuesday before the world cup final so like in two days time all of the teams are going to be out for the final and the bronze playoff match and the, the narrative will be changed i don't think that's a coincidence yes everybody was in paris this week to do the vote and all the journals around to receive the press briefing they could have done it next week after the world cup final it could have been one of those things where we think it's happened, but the official announcement comes next week. No, they're getting it all out of the way now because they know there's going to be something else to talk about in a couple of days' time. So that's it from me. Anyway, um, new Pacific Nations Cup. So this is one that is obviously affecting a lot of our subscribers who are joining us from Fiji and around that part of the world. Bula, guys. So the new Pacific Nations Cup, essentially the headline is Canada and USA are added to the Pacific Nations Cup. So it, up until, well, this year, because it's been a fluctuating membership in the tournament for the last few seasons anyway. This season, it was Japan, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. Uh, from next year, from like this starting 2024, uh, it's going to include Canada and USA. The final, so there's going to be pool stages. So there's going to be a Pacific Island pool of Fiji, Samoa and Tonga, and then there's going to be an other pool of Canada, USA, Japan, which on current form, you'd assume Japan would absolutely walk. And then there'll be a grand final, and the grand final is going to alternate year on year between USA and Japan. So there will, currently as it stands, there will never be a grand final played in Fiji or Samoa or Tonga or Canada. It will be either USA or Japan, and that is part, apparently, of World Rugby's strategy to grow the game in the USA, essentially. That's what the thinking behind that is. A couple of things. Some people, so Squidge Rugby tweeted, why is Uruguay and Chile not in it? Two things. So it's the Pacific Nations Cup. Uruguay isn't, doesn't have a Pacific coast. I'm sorry to be pedantic, but that's just a geographical fact. Chile obviously does. And then secondly, according to one journalist that I was interacting with on Twitter, apologies, I can't remember his name. Uh, if you search my replies, you'll see me speaking to him there. Um, Apparently, Chile and Uruguay said that they didn't want to be in it because it's going to be played outside the current test match release windows, which you you can see because, as I've said, Fiji and Japan are going to be in either the, the rugby championship or 
this new world league which begs the question when on earth is this pacific nations cup going to be played because you'd say that fiji and japan don't have the space in the calendar to play it and so the answer to that would either be fiji and japan would leave the pacific nations cup at some point or they would put b teams out in it which obviously we don't particularly want to see and is not not the level of competition that we want on our screens so essentially we're not a big fan of that either um i think i've covered pretty much all of that it feels like i've been talking for an hour i'm just checking all the rest of my notes well it was a big news story you need to be covered yeah um, i think that's it i think that's covered everything oh one last bit of good news uh, women's rugby now has official test windows. So like men's rugby, I, I'll be honest, completely open and honest. I didn't realize that women's rugby didn't already have this, but apparently the release windows for players from clubs sides wasn't official and it now is. So that's at least some progress. Again, women's rugby seems to be the only source of positive news in rugby union at the moment. So yeah, that, I think that's pretty much everything. I think I've read everything on my page, mate. Well, that's great because I, I just wanted to kind of unrelated to that, but it uh, has been very relevant to our pod and to all rugby fans, really. Um, there was a very interesting article released by The Telegraph yesterday uh, just in relation to TNT Sports' next broadcast deal with uh, Premiership Rugby. So if you remember, I did I, I did a tweet a couple of months ago now, and there are actually a crazy amount of broadcast deals that are coming to an end at the end of this this current season and um, like quickly running through the list here like the urc has a deal in place with bbc northern ireland that expires end of this year and uh, the other ones are a bit longer well yeah the premiership ends this year so that includes also the premiership rugby cup uh the champions cup uh the challenge cup and um, we've got the top 14 rights we don't know what's happening at the end of this season and also the autumn internationals international we don't know what's happening um you know, next year. So there are a lot of, you know, like the broadcast space is going to be extremely interesting. Um, like I'm not sure what it's going to look like at the beginning of next season. Like maybe it'll be very similar. Um, but the the interesting piece in in this article was just in relation to obviously the the deal and the value of this next deal. So according to the Telegraph, I don't know if you noticed, but the last three year deal was worth 110 million, and um, so that works out at about 36 million a year. Um, now, to put that in contrast, the top 14 deal is worth 113.6 million euro. Um, so that's 454 million euro over four years. Um, and also, according to SportsPro and the URC, now it is hard to get an official stat on the URC's broadcast deal, but according to SportsPro, who are a legitimate um, news outlet, um, it's worth roughly 55 million sterling, um, the URC. So, I'd say that might be a, of a bit of a surprise to a lot of people um, that the Premiership basically is the, you know, has the worst broadcast deal out of the, the major three competitions uh, in club rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and that number, according to this article, is only going to drop. And for obvious reasons, it's now a 10 team league. Like we've seen three uh, clubs obviously to go into administration. So apparently they are, of more. you know. Yeah, and like TNT Sports are quite eager to get this deal across the line. Uh, allegedly, there were some murmurings that, you know, obviously they weren't happy with the reduced number of games and whatnot. So they were potentially looking for a rebate, but they haven't gone down that route. But they're certainly going to get a reduction in the next three year deal or whatever, however long it's going to be. But it looks like it is going to be TNT Sports. It will be live 
from um, next season. Um, we don't know how long it's going to be, but interestingly, it's going to be even worth even less, which is not good news for a lot of those clubs. And so I just thought that was that was really important just just to note. And and it's and it's part it's part of this kind of overall landscape as well in terms of we, we've touched on this before, but sports podcast rights like it's it's in like it's hit its peak. Like if you look at Syria, they just signed their re- um, the last couple of days. They signed their re- recent broadcast, domestic broadcast uh, rights with DAZN and with Sky Italia, and they were looking for over five billion. They didn't get it. Um, the French soccer league, the League One, like they're not going to like they're looking for a crazy amount of money. They're not going to hit it. Uh, Canal Plus have pulled out. They said they're not even going to bother. Um, you know, applying for it, um, bidding for it, I should say. Um, so this is a theme across different sports leagues. Not, it's not just rugby, uh, but obviously English rugby in particular, um, is going to be hit pretty hard because of those those three clubs. So I just thought that was that was really important to to note, um, about the, the, the this whole situation. And yeah, just mm. going through that list, there are like I don't know, like, and obviously with. With the ORC, we do have Viaplay who who are going to be in place for this season, and they do have another year on their contract after that. And um, so we'll see what happens there. Like maybe the ORC will be faced with a similar situation. Who knows? And um, but I just thought that some of those those figures, uh, which are all from reliable sources, well, I'm not just pulling these numbers out of the air. And um, so I thought that was that was very interesting. And um, but yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. Be interesting with the rumours of the English looking to join the URC as well to see. Yeah, that will maybe give us a clue about that, about if TNT only give them a couple of years, um, maybe suggest that that they expect something significant to change. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but certainly, yeah, that's and and again, obviously, uh, you're a soccer fan. You probably know that the Premier League um, bidding rights for the next cycle are also in motion at the moment. So apparently, um, TNT Sports are, are quite eager to get the rugby deal across the line so there could be an announcement quite uh, quite soon on that to be honest and um, because obviously their focus is going to be on the Premier League because it's worth a hell of a lot more money yeah. and it looks like it. also that Amazon are, are potentially not going to be broadcasting the Premier League that's a story for a different day and um, so there could be a lot of change coming there so um yeah be interesting to watch but it does sound yeah. like like for your general fan it just looks like it's going to be on TNT Sports again but again you are going to see clubs getting less money from TV rights which is pretty yeah it's pretty damning i think especially when you look at the, the top four like the top 14 rides are crazy yeah so like good though. um i don't know about you mate I, maybe it's just getting older and getting a bit more wise to these things but i feel like fans more than ever now are, are more aware of broadcasting rights and, and intricacies and and are just not willing to pay the money anymore in fact they're, they're looking at the prices particularly someone like Sky is charging, just going. Mm, no, I'll, I'll just not watch it. Don't know whether that's yeah. that's accurate or not. Yeah, well, well, Sky have actually shown like th- their viewing figures for a lot of sports this season <clears throat> have been really, <clears throat> excuse me, um, really impressive. Um, but there is a lot of pressure on sports uh, rights at the moment in terms of costs, subscription fees, ad revenues are down. So like, and obviously we all know <laughs> that inflation and what like there's so much going on in the economy that always has an effect on these uh, broadcast deals. But I still think they maintain their value. Um, I still think we obviously all pay too much and it is driving a lot of people to piracy. Um, mm. But for me, as a massive rugby fan, I see I see the value in spending a couple of, well, not a couple of quid, like significant amount of money a month on sports. 
Um, but it is driving people to, to piracy, um, which nobody wants to see, but some people have been yeah. forced. Um, but you're right, Pirate right? Like, it's, it, like, pirate it, it's expensive. Who, who, would, who, would, who would encourage pirate broadcasting? Certainly not us. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, be interesting to, to see what happens. And um, yeah, who knows what the, the broadcast landscape is going to look like next season. Uh, and also, we do have to, <clears throat> excuse me, touch on Rugby Pass TV which is great. So now we know that that is there, hopefully. So for something like the Pacific Nations Cup, Pacific Nations Cup, like you mentioned, and if there is no local broadcaster of Sky or one of the big players in the UK or Ireland, don't pick it up. Uh, fans will have that option. And um, if rugby pass, uh, go ahead and broadcast those games. So I think that's good, um, especially with the, the WX uh, V now that we have. So women's 15 to new tournaments, like obviously all those games are available for free, which is brilliant across like even like all of the games for uh, one, two and three of all of those uh, competitions. Because we know there are different tiers. So all, all of those get like, I know in, in the UK, it's slightly different. And because ITB are showing the English games and so are S4C uh, showing the Welsh games. But um, in Ireland, like we can watch all of those games for free. So that, that's brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that, that's a sign of uh, things to come. Um, but that was it from the for me from the big broadcasting news, I guess, of, of the week. It's the first bit of broadcasting news we've had in quite some time. But that probably brings then on to the second last part of our show which is just going through the club rugby highlights, tier two highlights, whatever you want to call it. Um, do you want to take us through the, the first couple of results? Yes, mate. So uh, first results, obviously not club rugby. It's WXV, which you alluded to there. So uh, Wales, so WXV one, tier one kicked off this weekend, just gone. Uh, Wales played uh, quite well, but came up against short against Canada. But it's an improvement compared to how we've been getting on against Canada in recent years. And, to be honest, Wales have done very, very well to get to this level uh, in the first place. So I think this first year in WXV for Wales, which is being played in New Zealand, the Tier 1 version, uh, is is all about learning and development for us. Uh, and hopefully maybe picking up a couple of wins, I don't know, maybe against Australia or someone like that, potentially. But it, it's ridiculously difficult games They're all the way through. Obviously, you've got England, who are probably going to dominate. You've got um, France, New Zealand in there as well, and Canada, who are a big force in the women's game. So, yeah, there's that. Um, England beat Australia. And also, speaking of France and New Zealand, uh, New Zealand, uh, sorry, France shocks New Zealand in New Zealand, 18-17. And I believe New Zealand picked up a red card in that game. So that's a bit of an un- unexpected result and really good. Obviously, New Zealand being the world champions, it's good to see a bit of an upset like that. It makes it exciting. And again, the only downside at the moment with the WXV is that because it's in New Zealand, it is on at silly o'clock in the morning for people in the yeah. UK. So it's a little bit hard to follow. Um, WXV2, you got Scotland beat USA, Italy beat South Africa, uh, Japan beat Samoa. And then in WXV3, Ireland beat Colombia quite comfortably. And the team that Ireland put 100 points on last week uh, Kazakhstan uh, beat Kenya. So this kind of suggests, mate, that potentially, you know, I spoke with Caitlin last week and said that even the weakest women's Six Nations team is still stronger than almost any other women's team in the world at the moment. So it kind of suggests that World Rugby might have got this a bit wrong and Ireland shouldn't be in the third tier. Yeah, I think so. And just to clarify, yeah, this is the, the this was the second uh, week of it. Yeah, but it, it isn't it isn't great to see those results, is it? And um, but I guess for me, I just like seeing so many teams involved and so many teams broadcast. I think that that can only be a good team. 
a good thing rather um and this is what we want for women's rugby we want more games we want more exposure we want more people talking about it and that's what we're trying to do here as well obviously by by talking about it by going through the results but yeah that is going to be the downside we are going to see some some cricket scores aren't we um but i guess moving on then to the to the english premiership uh i couldn't believe that yeah sari's lost again to bat um shady was kicking the goals uh quinn's beat exeter i think that was a really tight game jared evans kicking the goals and then yeah bat they're currently sitting top um with i think bristol and gloucester just below so yeah very strange i think sari's are bottom at the moment uh which yep, is not currently bottom. i thought i would ever say um but obviously they've gotten like a lot of players to come back but i think i think leicester a second leicester a second bottom so the premiership is upside down at the moment yeah how about the the pro did you get a did you see any of the results yeah so following a bit of the results obviously they most of these games are played on on a thursday night so uh, it's a a few days ago now but Vaughn is still top uh they had a big win big win over beer ritz who were all over the place this season uh, and then behind Vaughn, it's actually very tight with eight teams covered by eight teams covered by five points. And that's with eight games in as well. So it's just everything to play for. Uh, and Grenoble are starting to really edge back into that conversation. They were obviously so close to going up last season uh, in the access game. And then they got hit with the points deduction, but they're already starting to claw their way back from it. Sam Davis doing the business for them. Uh, oh, and just to let you know as well, Stuart Olding is currently kicking all of the points for Argen. In, uh, Argen or Brieve, I can't remember. One of those. But Stuart Olding is doing things, is the important notes to take. Uh, Welsh Prem, Flandovery beat RGC, who are really struggling this season. Ebervale beat Neath, who are also really, really struggling this season. Uh, so those two are still first and second. And the two East Wales clubs, Pontypool and Newport, are third and fourth what about all ireland league mate you've been keeping up to date with it a little bit yeah it seems that uh lansdowne are, are, are on top and um, that's not overly surprising um thankfully as well their game was broadcast for free on um the irfu's youtube channel so hopefully we'll see more of that uh in terms of also the the scottish super series the harriets uh they've gone uh top with a win over future 15 uh who were still winless unfortunately um and they've game in hand over second-placed Ayrshire. And then in the NPC, we had the final. So Taranaki were crowned the champions after beating Hawks Bay. Uh, 22 tries in the first 10 minutes meant Hawks Bay were sorry, always sorry. high and up. That's a typo for 22 me. 22 tries, actually, yeah. There's absolutely not 22 tries. Uh, so there, <laughs> <laughs> there's two tries. Two tries. Two tries. Yeah, that sounds yeah. a bit more but, normal. Yeah. yeah it's because um, they, scored, they scored 22 points in total at the end of the game. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I mean, like the game is on at something like five minutes past two in the morning, Irish UK time. So, uh, yeah, didn't get a chance to see it. But, yeah, look, uh, it was an interesting one to cover, um, and I'm glad we did. Um, that probably rounds up the the results uh, from this past weekend. Just just really briefly touched on the, the TV guide. I won't go through everything. Um, we'll have the guide out, as usual, guys, on Thursday. Um, but I did want to add, like, there are a hell of a lot more games on. Like, I think this past weekend, there were something like 28 games on when you include all the women's games. Um, but also the top 14 is back uh, this weekend. So we'll have even more rugby for you, um, which is great. So you'll have Prem, you'll have URC, you'll have top 14, you'll have the um, WXV, excuse me. And yeah, you you will also have, what else I covered? The World Cup final. And the World uh, Cup final. Playoff. 
the Super yeah. Series is on. Yeah, plenty more. So um, there's plenty of rugby to watch this weekend. So yeah, we'll have everything up for you on Thursday. Uh, any you final words from yourself? You got a prediction for the World Cup final? It's impossible. It's 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 impossible. Uh, I can't. I know I said on Scoop's pod that it'll be New Zealand by five, but I like seeing that come out from the from the spring box, but then seeing the All Blacks come into such good form. I have no idea. I, uh, we all did. Like, I remember pre-tournament, I was like, oh, like, we can't write off the All Blacks. Um, and from an Irish perspective, I do want the All Blacks to win. Um, but my heart wants um, the Springboks to win because I just love their players and their background. We all do. Um, but I guess for Ireland's pride, I will go with the All Blacks by five. What about you, mate? Yeah, I think the All Blacks are going to win. I predict the All Blacks to, to win it before the tournament. Am I still um, with you, mate? My screen's just gone funny. Yeah, you're still here, mate. All okay. good. Uh, so I think... Yeah, yeah I, I predict the All Blacks to win, and I think it's going to be one of those ones where Bodie's going to be running one in from 50 metres in the last play because I think um, South Africa's race is run from the fixtures that they've had. And some of the attrition that they've had, I think All Blacks are just going to have that extra level of freshness in them that's going to make the difference. Well, we can't wait. And it all kicks off Friday morning with the WXV. So, yeah, um, I think that's it from us, guys. Thanks thanks a million again for, for tuning in. Any final words, you? Oh, from me, guys. Uh, thank you. I think Hugh's connection has just dropped, folks. So have a good one. Talk to you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.